Well, my name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is my friend, Alan. Y'all say hi, Alan. Good, they're with us. This is good. <laughs> you know, we've got a real treat to just bless what God is doing. That's right. God is good. We're launching a new series of talks today titled Faith Forward. And I mean what I said just a minute ago, just our kids, our super church kids and the team that went to camp has kind of already launched our talk this morning. And as we've just been talking and just seeking the Lord together and asking God, what is it that you're doing? Uh, we know that God is calling us to be a community of deep faith, but a faith that is not just looking back at the way that it was, but that is looking forward, is leaning and reaching forward to the God who is alive and at work today. Uh, I, I think back to our series, Mended, just this, this longing for the kingdom of God to come, the kingdom that has come and is coming. And if you read through Psalm 145 at all, I'd encourage you to go check it out, but it talks about declaring the good work of God to every generation, that we would tell our kids of the good things that God has done, and we would know the unfailing love of the Lord, and that it is persistent and present always. And as I was rereading Psalm 145 this morning during worship, I just thought about the, the interesting challenge in it, and that it's God's kingdom is generation to generation, so it kind of is like an all of us gig, right? From the, you know, young ones among us to the ones who are, you know, following in footsteps. But it's so evident that there is a personal call to me to be one who opens my life to experience the goodness of God, that I would be one standing in my generation declaring to the next, look at the good things God has done. That my life and my story would be uh, declarative of the unfailing love of God. And so as we move through this series, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to love and reach and know and serve the next generation. That, as you can see, is a now generation. That we're going to hold the tension of, you know, generation to generation to generation doesn't mean that the generations who have a little more experience, if you so, will. So, so you're avoiding, <laughs> you're avoiding this challenge, but the great good news of the gospel is simply this, and I'm closer to being able to say this with great joy than you are, even when I'm old and gray, may I declare your great glory to the next That's right. generation. That's right. Amen. That's right. So, so it's, it's, it's all of us. It's, it's each and every one of us. And you're never too young to declare, and you're never too old to That's declare. Right. That we might all have faith forward, that God would give us vision for what he's doing in us and through us as a faith family. Hey, we're going to look at Luke 2 today, so I'd encourage you to read along with me. Y'all sounded so good during worship, I don't want to miss out. Well, actually... Y'all sounded so good as we were singing together. So let's continue our worship by reading Scripture together as well. Luke 2, we're going to start in verse 41. It'll be on the screen behind. As always, you can listen, read along on your smart device, the Bible app, version, your Bible in print. Those are still welcomed here. And it's going to be up on the screen behind. At any point, feel free to jump in and add your voice to mine. I'll lead us forward. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. 
When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Let's read verse 47 together. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Let's read this together. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. So as we were talking this week, we were talking about as we read this passage, really, what's the big idea? What's the, the big takeaway? And we see here Mary, Joseph, and fellow travelers, along with, as you read the story, children of all ages, navigating their way to the temple in faith. And one of the things we understand is that if we're going to be like those people of old, we have to be uh, those who are called up to raise up and release the next generation. That, that's the big idea. We are those who are called to raise up and release the next generation. Kurt's already said it. And to do that, we have to have a vision that moves us forward, always appreciating where we've been, but never casting our gaze there that keeps us from going to where we're called and so when we think about this, one of the challenges that uh, we saw in this passage, one of the tensions that we experience actually through Mary uh, and Joseph speaking to Jesus is if we're going to be a people who are actually raising up and releasing uh, our children to the next generation, we discovered that we need to have a faith that is greater than fear. A faith that's greater than fear. A faith that allows us to see a bigger picture, a, a larger view, and that larger view is a kingdom view, and that larger view requires a kingdom identity, and that larger view requires not, a, not just a larger kingdom view and a larger kingdom identity, but also a deep kingdom hope that lives within us. So we started navigating our way through faith greater than fear. Uh, we actually did some, uh, some searching a little bit of playing online, and uh, we, we found all kinds of crazy things that people are afraid of. I mean, all kinds of crazy things. But actually, we boiled them down to three really big ideas. And uh, so, so the question we asked ourselves is, where is it that we give in to fear instead of embracing faith? And so if your parents here, if your adults here, if your students who are here today, we, we think these three things that challenge us in fear are common to us all, yeah. old and young. And so uh, the first thing we thought of is, like, I never struggle with this, but I hear about people struggling with it. Uh, and that's a, a sense of insecurity 
and inadequacy. Yeah, yeah, I don't ever. All the time. Well, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? All the, the time. Oh, all the time. Oh. You know, when we talk about being insecure and inadequate, it's just that voice internally that says, "I am not enough. I'm not enough." Oh, I was good that one time, but this next time the bottom's going to drop out. The shoe, you know, the shoe's going to drop. Whatever, whatever the the right colloquialism is, is this just internal angst <laughs> that I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't have enough, and that people are going to find out and judge me for who I really am. I mean, it, I don't know. I hope this doesn't hit too close to home, but I just see this in my own life that I battle against all the time. I mean, just to be a little transparent, like I will, will probably battle at some point today, did they think this went okay, what we're doing right now? I never think that. No. Well, you're, <laughs> you're better than I am. Obviously, I don't have fear or a sense of inadequacy. Like this is why Sunday naps are so good. <laughs> Sunday naps are good because I can try to like not think about, did you like me today? But that's actually how I struggle sometimes. Yeah. You know, did I say one thing wrong or this or that? And, and it's actually, what's interesting is it, it actually pushes us to the next place of fear, which is a fear of abandonment, that we might be left alone or that I would be isolated or not chosen. Yeah, yeah. You know, the first time I ever felt like I might be abandoned was on the school playground. Yeah. And uh, it was in the strangest, funnest, craziest game ever, Red Rover, Red Rover. Right? And, and the first time I ever felt anxiety about being chosen... <laughs> about being picked, about not being overlooked, was playing that silly game. I mean, like, if my name wasn't called first, I thought, well, it'll be called the next time. And if it wasn't called the next time, my anxiety went up just a little bit higher. And if, if I passed three or four or five people, I'd be in the count. How many people are in this line? Yeah. What's the likelihood that I'm last? And the closer I got to being last, the greater my anxiety was. And I was always afraid that my name might not be called, that I might not be included, that I might be left standing yeah. alone. You know, the interesting thing is, as I've navigated my way through life, I've had lots of Red Rover experiences in all kinds of scenarios. I remember my first job hunt as I graduated from university five interviews, and each one of them ended exactly the same way, saying, man, this was wonderful. We really think you're a great guy. We'll call you. <laughs> Can I just tell you, not a single one ever called me. And I thought, well, am I not good enough? Am I going to be left out? Am I going to be alone? And I, I know that this is something that's common to us all. Yeah. It's possible that you felt left out in the game of Red Rover and you've experienced that over and over and over and over again being left out yeah. and abandoned you know the other thing is we talked about is simply just a fear of failure yeah. it's, it's just not going to go well it's just not going to end well yeah. as we were talking this week that was the thing that just stood out for me I grew up in church love Jesus, and over the last few years have been coming to grips with this daunting, you know, fear inside of me that no matter how good it's been, it's all going to crumble. It's just going to crumble. And I, I've just found myself wrestling with, is God good? 
is God really good for me? Because I, I kind of, hit, like, it was all about how good I was. Like, I had to just keep delivering and keep delivering and keep delivering, but I just knew at some point I was going to mess up. At some point, I was going to fall flat. At some point, I'm going to fail. And this just fear of failure and this fear of, like, it's just going to end poorly has just been a horrible foundation for my faith, for my life. And just seeing fear really try to just take root and grip my thinking and my behavior and, and paint a picture of who I am that is just so far from the truth. And we just see that what fear does is fear causes us to withdraw. It just causes us to withdraw. And you might think, no, 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 I mean, fear drives me forward. But what you're actually doing is you're avoiding it. So you're withdrawing from that place of insecurity, abandonment, failure. You're withdrawing from sources of life hoping that darkness doesn't overwhelm you, doesn't catch you. Fear causes us to withdraw. But faith gives us purpose to fully participate with God. See, faith calls us into a different story. Faith calls us into a different way of thinking, of not only relating to ourselves, but of other people. And so we begin to see this battle, right? This battle for fear versus faith, or faith versus fear. I was listening to a uh, webinar that Multiply Vineyard put on recently about discipleship, and I'm just curious, anybody over the age of my, like my age or older, 32 or older, look out at culture and society and just think, man, it looks really bleak out there. Anybody can relate to that? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just going down the tube. <laughs> anybody, under the age, anybody under the age of 32 look at the world today and go, it doesn't look so good. Ugh, yeah, it's like, ugh, students are like, oh, no, like, there's not going to be any clean drinking water for me. Like, there's not going to be, like, what? It's just, see, that, that is the narrative that's pervasive in our culture. It's just fear. So we're trying to hold the kids back. We're trying to protect them. Don't go out. Don't talk to people. Don't do this. Don't get on social media. That's ah, all going to be horrible. You're going to get attacked. It's going to be bad. And so we've let this fear just shape how we build disciples. Tony Portell, who pastors a vineyard church in Indianapolis, said this, instead of fear, view discipleship as the reality, the reality that we are unleashing our kids on the world. That we would begin to unleash our faith and the hope of Jesus and the good news of the gospel on this world. That instead of withdrawing and retreating, we would begin to just press the good news of a loving God everywhere we go. Everywhere we go. We would be unleashing our kids, and by doing that, we would unleash ourselves on this world. How would we do that? Well, you, you know, in this story, one of the things that happens is uh, Mary and Joseph are desperately searching for Jesus. He's lost in the crowd, and they've lost him, it seems, for over a period of three days-ish. And, uh, one of the things that happened while they were grasping for where he was is fear gripped their hearts. But when they saw him in the temple and they had to exchange of a conversation with him, one of the things that happened there is that their focus changed. Their focus changed. And so fear, fear had gripped them. They thought a, a fateful outcome. Oh, no. Like, what's happened to Jesus? We can't find him. So, so they were fearing the worst, the fateful outcome, that, that something terrible had happened to him. 
But when they discovered Jesus, they discovered not a faithful outcome, but a faithful outcome. Because when they discovered Jesus, he was in relationship with his father. And interestingly enough, he tells them this is the first time he discovers or makes statements about his own self-understanding of calling. He says, didn't you know that I had to be in the temple going about my father's business? Interestingly, I can't help but believe that Mary and Joseph had told Jesus about his incredible birth. I can't help but believe that Mary and Joseph had told Jesus about his identity. But he's on a search for himself, and when he explores, his parents are afraid he's lost and missing and something bad really happened. When they find him, they discover he's found a faithful outcome. He's discovering the good news of who he is the very first time. Daryl Box says, this is the first uh, expression of Jesus' self-understanding of his calling. I need to be about my father's business. A faithful outcome is about good news. A faithful outcome is about hope. A faithful outcome is about the work of God in us and through us to our children. For us to have faith greater than fear, we have to have this focus of transition yeah. that moves us to believing God is at work in and through us and in and through our children for our good and for their good and through us for the good of others. We look at this learning from Jesus and we simply understand that the announcement of Jesus, his own words, self-understanding, propels him into a continued pursuit of being faithful to his Father. Yeah. As we were talking this week, it's like, well, of course, of course Jesus got that. He's Jesus. Like, I'm not Jesus. I'm not asking you to follow me. But somehow he had to have known that. But one of the things that I just want to highlight that's just, this is God reminding me again and again, because here's the thing. We don't just need like a one-time encounter, like a one-time moment. This, this development, this discipleship, this saying yes to Jesus is over and over and over again, and it's throughout the whole course of our life. If you read a little bit earlier in Luke 2, the birth of Jesus, it says this, at the birth of Jesus, the declaration was, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Do not be afraid. The declaration of Jesus as a baby, what was spoken over him and prophesied over him and his parents <laughs> prayed over him, what we pray over our babies, what we speak over our little ones matters. And as a teen, as a preteen, 12, 13, 14, what we speak and declare over them and the discovery of self and the identity found you know, in the, in the heavenly Father, this identity that Jesus found in his Father is the same identity we need to find and we need to cultivate among our teens. And then it was cultivated from 12 to, you know, 30. And, and if you read a little bit further in Luke, you see that Jesus comes and is baptized by John the Baptist and it's spoken over him. This is my son who I love and whom I take great pleasure. This was just ongoing over and over and over again because this good news of do not be afraid will cause great joy. It will cause great joy for you because you're part of all people. It will cause great joy for me because I'm part of all people. And so we have to begin to just set our focus forward. We have to set our focus forward. I know there's so much more that we could say today. There is. We have to ask you to stay for lunch. We won't. We're not going to. This is, this is just the place that I think we ultimately wanted to land. 
This idea of faith forward is that there's movement. There's transformation. There's trajectory. It includes you. You've been invited into this beautiful story of Jesus. For fifth graders and sixth graders that are sitting in here, for high school, college, young adult, middle adult, mature adult, wisdom, stature. We need one another. We need to encourage one another to grow. And so, Alan, I just want to leave you with this one question. You can kind of set the stage for our response today. Is as you look forward, as you spend time with our God who's faithful, what do you see us being called to? What is our forward trajectory? You know, we, we've said it already, so I won't repeat it as in detail, but everyone's included. Everyone gets to play. There's no one left out, no one overlooked, no one too old, no one too young. That's right. So if we are going to be this people who move forward, the question I ask myself is, well, how would we do it? We believe we're called to move forward. How will we do that? Let me suggest to you there are three really simple things, I think, that is required of us all. And the first is simply uh, that we ourselves have to receive and respond to the call of discipleship that's on our life. You can't start giving away what you don't have. Mm -hmm. So let me just say to you, the call to discipleship that is on each and every one of us is the call that we must nurture. And you say, well, Alan, man, there's just so many things you could do. Can I just boil it down to one simple statement? And that is the call to discipleship is a call to simple obedience yeah. in all things. That's right. It's that easy and it's that difficult. The call to discipleship is a call to simple obedience in all things. If we'll start with ourselves in simple obedience, what we will find is a life of love yeah. and character and depth and a growing knowing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that will take deeper root in us, as in it takes deeper root in us. In simple obedience, we're going to be excited to do the next step when that is when you are responding in simple obedience to the faithful call of God, to the faithful call of discipleship. The very next opportunity you have is not just to be a disciple, but to be a disciple maker. To be a disciple maker, to, to be one who calls your children and our children and our children's children, and, and you could just keep going on down the line. We call everyone to a simple obedience, believing that now is the time, today is the day for us together to engage in simple obedience that no one's too young and no one's too old. Now is the time for the next generation to be raised up. You know, in the vineyard, we talk about fifth grade Frankie. Fifth grade Frankie. Fifth grade Frankie is the, the actual root of church planters that will multiply churches to the next generation. Right. Our best church planters are in the fifth grade for the next generation. The reason they chose the name Frankie is because that could be a boy or a girl. 
And when we start thinking about our children, those who stood on this stage before you, we're thinking about not just when they'll be doing something great, but beginning now to do something great, to respond to the simple obedience of God's call in their life to say yes to him in simple obedience, to follow him wherever he leads. And so we are those who will disciple this next generation. If they don't look to us, to whom will they look? Mm -hmm. And if they don't see it in us, I promise you they'll look somewhere else. Rise up. Let your light shine to the glory of God for the good of his people that the nations of the earth might hear. Rise up. Rise up. Don't wait. Rise up. Rise up and give what you've been given abundantly to those who are following behind us. When we do that, you know what will happen. It causes a cascade of overflow. We give it away, and they give it away, and we give it away, and they give it away, and it comes back to us, and we give it away, and they give it away, and they give it away, and it comes back to us. We give it away, and they give it away, and they give it away, and it comes back to us. It's, it's a cycle of life, and we just keep cycling back to receive Simple obedience before God, leading others in simple obedience to God. Experience the calling of the next generation. And so for us to do that, we release our children and our teens and our students to experience and extend the power of the presence of the living God in real and tangible ways, in ministry, in word, in song, in dance, in art, in all the ways that we can think of to declare the great and glorious good of God. The kingdom come and coming. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next several weeks. Jesus welcomed and championed children, so should we. That's right. Jesus modeled passion for his heavenly father as a young man, so should they. And as an older man, so did he, so should we. And we are those who are casting a vision, casting a vision for not just those who are my age or the next generation, but to our children and to our children's children and so that's what we're calling you to. Be a disciple of simple obedience, pass it along to others, and elevate them and encourage them in their calling and in their gifting.